Welcome to the fight with Teddy Atlas presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the great philanthropist, the legend Teddy Atlas, fresh off the Dr. Atlas Foundation dinner in Staten Island. A huge sold-out success. Teddy, great to see you. Yeah, it's good seeing you, Ken. You and Rob were there. Appreciate very much. And uh, 1,000 people were there and about 40 celebrities were there. And uh, as you said, it was our 26th annual Dr. Atlas Foundation dinner to help our main fundraiser to help raise money to take care of the people that fall through the cracks in our in our world sometimes you know whether it's to get a put a handicapped bathroom in for a single mom that's struggling in her apartment she can't get a something like that done the cost of it obviously it's not covered by any insurance so we step in we do it she has an invalid child you know, whatever the situation, putting handicap ramps up, flying people out of state to get a better treatment program when their program locally doesn't take care of it properly. Um, we'll do that. We'll also put them up in a hotel to find out if they're eligible while they're out of state. Um, you know, whatever it takes, social programs, going into areas where there's a need uh, to help these kids, where we tell them, hey, you know, if you improve your conduct, if you start caring about who you are, that's all. I'm not asking for A's and B's. Just start caring about, because if you care about who you are, then you're going to get better marks. If you if you start to um, take ownership over your own behavior, you're going to do better. It's going to show itself in a better way everywhere. And, and what people need to know, it's going to help us. It's going to help the, you know, people say, oh, you're helping people. I'm helping us. I'm helping uh, uh, my family because the better the communities are, the better that these kids are, the better everyone is, you know, because that trickles down everywhere. I don't want kids anywhere struggling and, you know, being involved in violence and uh, those kind of things. If we can have a little say about it and, and help, and the way we help with those social programs, the Dr. Atlas social programs, you know, we, we tell the kids, okay, start caring about who you are, take ownership over who you are, make the right choices each day, how you're going to behave when you come into school, when you leave your house, and we're going to drop off 200 tickets to a Yankee game, to a Mets game, to a Knicks game, to a Nets game. You know, whatever the season is, we're, we're going to do that and we're going to supply buses and you're going to go to the game. Your, your teachers are going to put you on a list if you're one of those kids who have shown that kind of, you know, improvement and care to improve. Otherwise, you're not going. And a lot of these kids, obviously, one of the big problems, one of the elephants in the room, Ken, is that they don't have fathers. There's, a, there's no fathers. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm not afraid of an elephant in a freaking room because I'm out there. We're out there. I'm doing a tiny little something. I get it. There's plenty of people doing more than me, but we are doing a little tiny something. And we're, we're out there seeing what the problems are where there are no fathers at home uh, for the most part in a lot of the areas where we're out there trying to do what we're doing uh, and bring a need to them. And we're also doing mental health programs going into these neighborhoods where we're bringing psychiatrists, psychologists, we're bringing therapists to these at-risk schools where there's a lot of violence, where there's teen suicide, where there's bullying, where, where there's, you know, uh, drug uh, problems. Uh, these things are needed. These things are needed. So anyway, we can't do it without the resources. And the resources means that we have to get people to come to our events and 
give us the money to do such programs and to take care of people in a way that we want to take care of them. Um, so, and I always tell people, this is a collective effort. You know, people say, oh, thank you, Teddy. No, don't thank me. Well, who do I thank, Ted? Thank thousands of people you're probably never going to meet that give me the ability, trust me, by giving me the ability to get it to the right places. That's who you thank. Say a prayer tonight, thank them. Not me, not not this this guy with a flat nose. So I I appreciate the heck out of everybody. I appreciate the heck out of you guys. Um, we had we had the celebrities like New York Giants great and Hall of Famer Harry Carson, Super Bowl MVP Phil Simms, Max Kellerman, uh, the greatest basketball. Uh, basketball commentator, probably one of the, maybe the greatest commentator, period, full-time Marv Albert, um, you know, and then uh, the, the great and funny Tracy Morgan, uh, another former New York Giants Super Bowl MV, MVP, I don't know if you saw him, Ken, O.J. Anderson was there, yep. um, you know, uh, like like I said, Phil Simms, uh, Larry Michaels, the great commentator, real commentator, Brian Kenny talking about real commentator, Bob Papa, uh, again, Sid Rosenberg has a great radio show, uh, the great singer, I know you must have loved him, Ken, from the Phantom of the Opera, uh, Kieran Sheehan. Yeah. I yeah, mean, he, he, he's got a voice. <laughs> Only God could have allowed him to have that voice. I mean, I, I it's um, when he opens his mouth, what I like, what I get a kick out of now is when he opens up his mouth and starts to sing, I look around the room and this is what I see. <laughs> I see people's jaw drop like, oh my God, is that coming from that man? And then former Yankee great Mike Paggs, Paglia Ruler, you saw him, I think you were sitting near him. Yep. Um, and then of course you and Rob uh, were good enough to be there. Uh, again, I... It means a lot to me. I'm glad you two came into my life. Um, let's not thank you, Teddy. And let's not forget the two toughest guys there, Chuck Zito and. Well, Dustin I didn't Poirier. get there. I didn't get there. I didn't <laughs> sorry, get there. sorry. And, I and known. one of the biggest Chuck Zito was there, but one of the biggest receptions in the room was for Dustin Poirier. You actually thought I could forget this man? No, um, I didn't think who, so. Who, who simply put, and and I want to, I want to put this into my what I think is proper context. Um, by coming there after he had an incredible fight five days earlier at Madison Square Garden. Could have been easy to just go home to Louisiana. He stayed here. No, no, no. He did go home. He flew back. Well, even better. Um, and he flies back. I didn't realize that. He flies back after that tough fight with Chandler. And he, he showed for me, and this is another one of those teaching moments, I think, what his greatest talent and ability is and always has been. You know, not his great punch and power, obviously he's got that, or his great chin, obviously he's got that, or his great heart, obviously he's got that, or his great finishing ability, or his great wrestling, or jujitsu, as he said after the fight. I know jujitsu. Um, you know, even like I said, his great toughness. It's his character, you know, as a person. That's his true core strength. I think that's all our true core strength, really, if you get down to it. His strength as a human being to be, to just be decent, you know, and unwilling to submit to moral weakness outside of the ring. Uh, what I mean by this is, you know, he's got an unyielding sort of desire 
and temperament where, and we all have the ability to have this, and all of us, some of us are actually executing it. But when he's tempted to make excuses for things as we're all tempted to do in life, and he he fights off those temptations to do what's maybe a little more selfish or a little more convenient. Um, also, as I reminded myself, he's unrelenting when it comes to giving in on principles of life, uh, like keeping your word, commitment, like you just said. You know, he, he went all the way home to Louisiana, but he had a commitment. He flew all the way back. You know, also his strength is to be left just less selfish. Um, there's a strength to that. You know, there really is to put other things and other people first, uh, like your commitments. Uh, for me, that's real strength. And I'll tell you why. Because when the moment of truth comes, and it comes for all of us, it comes for him in the octagon, but when it comes in the ring, in the boxing ring, wherever the hell it comes, it comes in life, it, you know, it comes to you when you're doing your marathons, but it also comes when you're being a parent and um, you're dealing with some turmoil and stuff. But whatever it is, when that moment of truth comes, and as I said, it, it's, it's around the corner for all of us, and you're under fire, and you're tested, at that moment, you must be able to feel like what you say you are. In the case of Dustin, you have to feel like a Viking or a warrior or a samurai or a titan or a champion. But if you've been living a false and weak life outside of the ring, then what, when that time comes, you're going to feel like the liar and the imposter that you've been outside the ring. I mean, that's, that's, that can't be hidden. That can't be pushed back. That's going to come to you. Um, you're going to wind up being attached to the way you've been behaving in life. It, it's, it's going to come forward. I mean, it always does. And um, instead of feeling like the gladiator that you proposed yourself to be and that you need to be at that moment. So for me, Dustin always feels like the gladiator, win or lose, because of the choices he makes every day. So I just wanted to say that, and um, I'm proud to know him and call him a friend. Besides coming and helping us to raise the money, he also donated him and his wife $10,000 check. Um, I don't know. What else can I say? Uh, for the people out there right now, a couple people that sometimes, you know, we all get a little ditzy, you know. And for some of you that might be saying, oh, there he goes praising Dustin because he likes Dustin. Oh, he's praising this. Uh, yeah, I do like him, but that's why I like him. And I like anybody that can behave in those kind of ways. I don't mean giving a $10,000 check, but I mean in the other ways. To put yourself second, put other people first, to do that once in a while. And again, I, I believe that that's our greatest strength, is to have that kind of strength. So I also, uh, as I said, I appreciate you guys being there. You not only were there, but you, you too flew back to Tennessee, and um, and then you came here. Rob, well, did Rob fly back, to, and then or was he here the whole time? Either way, you, uh, Rob comes all the way in from the West Coast. So for you guys to be there and take a table, you guys got class. You didn't take just any table either. You took a top table. 
Um, we raised a lot of money, Ken. Uh, you know, the thing that I'm the most proud about is that my foundation of monies don't go to administrative costs. They go, and there's, listen, there's a million good foundations out there. I'm just saying that I, I take pride that we only have one paid employee and she's underpaid. That's good. That's good, but she, we take care of her. She's loved. <laughs> she's she loved, but she, uh, and that's Sharon Curry. She does a great job, but we, uh, the money goes where it's supposed to go. It doesn't go to those kind of costs, which I don't believe it should. It goes to the, as I said, to run the food pantries. Also, two days after the dinner, as we do every year, we handed out 1,500 turkeys and all the trimmings, uh, to families that otherwise they wouldn't be, well, they wouldn't have a traditional dinner the way everyone should. And so there's 1,500 families that are going to have a traditional dinner that wouldn't have it with all the trimmings, and they should. And, you know, people ask me, they say, what is your greatest joy about that, that you're feeding someone that they're getting a, a supplement? You know, they're getting the nutrition of food because there's there's people out there in this great country that don't eat right that don't eat enough that it's hard it's it's mind-boggling to try to comprehend that but it's true but no that i gotta be honest that's not what's in the forefront of my mind or my heart um when we do this and we're privileged to do it uh because whether they're eating bologna sandwiches yeah i said it i i i, I yeah i say it raw i say it straight but I, I say it from my heart, and I say it from a real place. But no matter what they're eating, they're gonna. I know that people in this great, they're gonna eat something. But on Thanksgiving, I want as many people as possible to feel like everyone else, to be eating a traditional turkey with everything, with all the trimming, and the most important thing for me, maybe that's the day that it brings their family together. Maybe that's what does it. You know, they again, they could get the nutritional help from eating something else. But on that day, they get a different kind of help. An ability to feel like a family again. And maybe they had lost that ability. And maybe this gives it to them. So for that, I thank all the people out there, everyone out there that makes this possible, that comes to the foundation, that sends donations into the Dr. Atlas. I thank all, I thank all of you that have done what Ken and, and Rob did and what Poirier uh, in their way. I, I, all of, in any way that they could, whether it was to send a $5 donation, whether it was to come to the dinner, whether it was to buy a silent item auction or a live auction, whatever. I just want everyone to know um, how much they all mean to me. And the final thing I want to say was a little humor but you would have loved it. Rob would have loved it. You would have been proud of me. We're always trying to get more subscribers. Okay, people? <laughs> I want more subscribers. Please, please subscribe. We're at 275,000. I want to get to a million. Okay? All right. I'm not afraid to say it. I want more subscribers. Okay? You want us to keep doing this? Give me and Ken and Rob more. So please, if you in any way appreciate what we're doing anyway please give us more subscribers but i'm out there busting my backside <laughs> to get subscribers here we are 
We're at the Dr. Atlas Foundation office, 7 in the morning. It, it goes on to about 1 o'clock by the time we get finished handing out 1,500 turkeys all the time. And um, people coming from everywhere, from everywhere. You know, people that can't speak English, they come, can we? Yep, we take care of you. And we took care of everyone. And then late in the day, just before we're closing up, a man comes in. He's from Senegal, Africa. His name is Mamadou. He comes in, what a, oh, man. It was just, he was a gentleman. He comes in, is, do you think maybe I'm too late? Uh, I have six children. I was hoping I could get a turkey, but if it's, I can see everybody's packing up. Um, I came to, I said, you didn't come too late. No, not at all. Bring him in the office. We, it takes us a minute to figure out, you know, because we got to find an extra one. We we get it done because we still have some that are put to the side that people are going to come and pick up later on, you know, that they couldn't get there. They couldn't get a car. They couldn't get a, a whatever it was to pick up 20, 30, 50, depending on what they ordered for their church, for their homeless shelter, for their community, for their school. So I'm talking to Sharon my family's all there. That's what makes me so happy. I got my family, my grandkids are handing out turkeys. They, I mean, I got to help them pick it up because they're heavy. But they're, 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 it's, they feel it. They feel part of it. That's why I tell people, you were there. I announced, I said, we're doing this um, as we do every Saturday morning. Anyone who wants to bring their kids, come by. Because I think it's good for the kids to feel this, to see it, that they're, that they're helping someone. My grandson, you know what he said that morning, Ken? He says, he goes, Papa, we're going to help. We're going to help people. <laughs> yeah, we're going to help people, Papa. We're going to give turkeys to, uh, to people that don't have that don't have turkeys. I said, yeah, that's what we're doing, buddy. Come on, get a warm coat on. It's cold out there, and so I just think it's a good learning moment for the kids. It sticks with them. It does. Even though my 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 grandchildren are, are four, my grandson. Teddy is four, my granddaughter Mara is three, and my my grandson Joseph is five. It sticks with you. So anyway, Mama Two comes in, and we're figuring it out. We get it. We get it. Not just a turkey. We'll make sure that he's got, you know, everything. So we get it together. They put a box together. Here we are. We we're, He's ready to go out the door, and all of a sudden I realize. All of a sudden it hits me. Wait a minute. Mama Two. <laughs> like we're buddies. Mama though, yes. Um, hold on. Let me see your phone. You got a phone? Okay, it works. Good. It, it, you can get, you have YouTube on your phone? Yes. Good. All right. Listen, you, let's put on, and then I had my cousin there, my cousin, uh, Rob, he works for Rob now. Uh, he graduated Colgate, so I have to tell you it's my cousin because if I just said he graduated Colgate, Colgate, you say he's got nothing to do with Teddy Atlas. You know what I mean? You you would never connect it. But so I got to tell you, it's my cousin Jack. So, um, so I I tell him, come over. He's he's like a computer genius. You know. I mean, listen, anybody who could like even uh, get anyone who can get beyond uh, a text message on an iPhone or a smartphone for me is a is a computer genius i mean they right there right there they they register as a genius so i said jack come over here yeah he comes over um help mamadou get uh 
get on YouTube here. He gets on. He goes, Mamadou, you're going to subscribe to my podcast. Okay. Yes. You're a boxing <laughs> fan? Yes. Good. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna be subscribed. He got him on, so we got his subscription from a man <laughs> who just came in from Senegal. Um, he he came in for a turkey. We got a click. He got a turkey, you know, <laughs> and he got a hug and some love, um, and and we get the click. So it was Perfect. a good day. It was a good day all around for everybody. Again, thanks everybody who's part of the Doctor Atlas Foundation and helping us do the things we do. And now it's time to uh, talk about the world of fighting. Yes. Before we jump into the UFC, I just want to give a shout out to today's sponsor. Our newest sponsor, Hoist, Hoist Hydration. It's IV level hydration. Teddy, when I flew home, I, was, I swear I was starting to come down with the worst cold. And one of the most important things you can do when you're feeling sick or when you finish with a workout is to stay hydrated. This hoist hydration is available in over 50 military bases around the world. They're an official hydration partner to the U.S. military and special operations. It's got no artificial colors or any of the BS that some of the mainstream sports drinks have in them to make them look pretty. This is all about business, staying hydrated. Stay hydrated, my friends. And with that, Teddy, let's get into the UFC. Not the most exciting card on And paper. one other the, thing. Yes. If I missed any celebrity mentions out there right because everyone listens to the show i love you that's that's it you know who you are if you were there if you were in that room i love you i thank you for being it because you know in your own way you made the room better uh by by being there so go ahead who who are we talking about now i i know that we had a cancellation in the ufc which was a disappointment especially being a heavyweight because everyone loves the heavyweights because when there's a heavyweight there's a chance there's going to be something like crash bang <laughs> you know like the old batman movies boom bop boop cop boom you know and everyone that's why they love the heavyweights i think that is why they are because there's a chance there's going to be you know somebody falling down and making a lot of noise uh, uh sometimes it's that simple uh people want to see explosions people want to i mean they come out for fourth of july what uh to see the sky light up you know to hear the noise to see the colors uh, people want to see heavyweights put somebody on the floor and the main fight was canceled but we had some interesting fights take us from there ken Yep, before I do, I just want to say, if you want to try, <clears throat> if you'd like to try Hoist, go to drinkhoist.com and use the promo code ATLAS20 to save 20% off your first purchase. Again, drinkhoist.com, use promo code ATLAS20, 20% off, official partner of the U.S. military, Hoist IV level hydration. UFC, couple, like I said, yep, Derek Lewis' uh, fight fell out. Derek was sick, unspecified illness. Um, I'm sure he must have been very sick to keep him out of there because obviously, as you can imagine, you don't fight, you don't get paid. And this is the only way those guys get paid. So to go through an entire training camp, make weight, 
Not that he was making much weight at 265. I hope he didn't have to cut down too much. Yeah, yeah hold back on that make weight thing. Go ahead. <laughs> but I do think he has to cut to get to 265, just for the record. Well, let's um, keep that private. That's, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 would, I don't want to tell people I'm cutting to get to 265. And I love Lewis. He's a banger. You know, he's a gutsy son of a gun. He's a gunslinger. He either gets you or you get him. I mean, he's theater. He's drama. Yep. You know, he really is. But but let's leave out the part that he's got to cut to get to. <laughs> well, it's interesting that we had a fight that on paper wasn't the most exciting card ever, especially without the heavyweight um, attraction in the UFC. And then we'll talk about another a boxing card that didn't look very good on paper and actually wasn't that good in, in, in reality either. But... Um, one of the one of the uh, main card fights, Jack Mad Jack Della Madalena versus Danny Roberts. My God, Jack Jack Madalena, Jesus, he can crack, huh, Teddy? He was working behind the jab. I mean, he was touching Danny Roberts with every punch he threw, and it was like his form looked beautiful. I thought he looked like just as good as any boxer he could look. How'd how'd you like it? No, I'm gonna make this one short and sweet because he because he did. Um, <laughs> Mad Madalena was as. To take off from where you just left us in the right place, he was very impressive. Um, I was impressed by his power, his balance, and his finishing ability. He reminded me a lot. And I know I've said this before with certain guys, and that's okay, because when they do the right thing, they remind me of certain guys. He reminded me a lot of the Japanese world champion, um, from well, the world champion from J Japan. He's not just a Japanese champion. Um, in a way... He's one of the pound for pound. I think he's number three on my pound for pound list, but he's one of the pound for pound best on everyone's list. And he reminds me of Inouye in a way that he's got power. The Inouye is called the monster, right? Uh, I think yep. he's called the monster. That's right. Uh, he's got monstrous power. And Madalena has that. And he's... The way he's like in a way for me is he's always balanced. He's always in position. You can't have power if your feet aren't under you. And his feet are always under him. He's never reaching. He's never leaning. He's never off position. He's always in position, set to punch. Um, that's good fundamentals. And as I said, he reminds me of in a way, uh, in that way, where not only is he in position because of his legs to deliver, uh, but he's also there to deliver not only hard, solid punches, but accurate punches, you know, where he can place his punches. That, that's a big difference when you balance. You, it's kind of like watching a quarterback, unless you're Mahomes, one of those special guys. But it, it's like watching a quarterback for the most part where if their feet are set, they're accurate. If their feet aren't set, right, Ken, they're not accurate. You played quarterback in college where your feet have to be set you, to be accurate. Uh, again, there's, there's special guys out there like Mahomes that could, you know, he could do, he could throw an accurate pass while he's taking a shower. I mean, uh, you know, but that's, that's, there's not too many of those guys out there. It's like Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, when he was young, he could throw out the right and wrongs about boxing, you know, as far as the, the boxing 101 textbook of how to do things. He could throw it out, do things wrong, and make it right. There, there's not too many guys that, really can do that. Roy Jones came close for a few years there. He did, uh, where he kind of could do that because of his great talent of instincts and reflexes, speed, power, all of that. But for the most part, most people have to connect with 
pretty good fundamentals and pretty good technique. And Madalena does that. So I, I'm, I'm done with that one. Uh, as, uh, as Joe Pesci said in, in My Cousin Vinny, when he was a lawyer uh, in the courtroom, I'm done with this guy. Uh, <laughs> By the so way, I'm one done quick thing, one. Teddy, one quick thing about Madalena. Lost his first fight in 2016 to a TKO. Lost his second fight via submission. Then rattled off 13 wins in a row, stopping everyone except one submission and one decision. So in 13 fights, he knocked out 11 people, got a decision, and submitted another guy. In all three fights in the regular UFC since he's been here, first round knockouts. And I'm Danny so Roberts glad. isn't a soft touch. No, 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 no. He's more. a real guy. I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up because. That speaks to the point I make all the time. If that was boxing, for the most part nowadays, you would have had a death sentence. Really? Oh, and two, where, no one would even pay attention. Where, really? Where people would have said, you know, get lost, kid. And But not in the UFC. Because you. it doesn't mean anything that you lose a couple of fights. What means something is do you learn, do you improve, do you get there? Do you become the fighter you're supposed to become and you need to become? And these guys, by going through tough fights and getting some losses, they learn what a lot of the boxers don't learn sometimes. Sometimes they do, but sometimes they don't. Where they, they get navigated to undefeated records, they get protected. They're in the protection business. They get protected, and then, you know, their talent takes them so far, and then they meet a guy that's a solid guy, in all the other areas that they haven't had a chance to become solid in. Sometimes they get a rude awakening, a rude, 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 rude awakening. These guys don't get rude awakenings because they get dipped in the fire. They're, they're like that sword that gets dipped into the molten steel to become unbreakable steel where it is stand up in battle. And that's what happens with these guys. They, they get put in fights, tough fights, They'll lose some, but they will learn from those losses. They will get dipped in the fire. They will become what they're supposed to become. And that's what this kid did. Those losses, if you asked him, I guarantee you that he would say, if you asked him right now, what were the most important fights in your career? He'd probably say the couple that I lost because of what I learned, because of what it did for me, what it did to me. What I got made knocked up my, out in the first one, and he got choked out in the second one. What I made up my mind to never let happen again. That's why I'm where I am, because of those. And that's why I run off X amount of straight victories that Ken just talked about. That's why. 13. And you know, I'm going to mention a great fighter, my favorite fighter. I have two favorite. I have a couple of favorite fights, but they go way back where the average fan wouldn't even know them, unfortunately. But Sam Langford from the 20s and then uh, Henry Armstrong from the 30s and 40s. And Armstrong had close to 300 fights. Langford, the same thing. Uh, Langford fought and beat everyone from lightweight to heavyweight back in those days when they fought catchweight and beyond. And... Armstrong actually, to me, is the greatest of all time. But anyway, he actually held three full titles, no junior titles, none of those in-between titles. He held the featherweight, lightweight, welterweight, and he actually fought 15 rounds. It was a draw against Severino Garcia for the middleweight title. He really won. They robbed him. 
but so he would have had four full titles, but he had three full titles and he defended them simultaneously. So this guy's a monster. And if you look at the great Henry Armstrong's record, you would feel that you were looking at what you just said about Madalena's record because he lost his early fights. He lost like three of his first five fights. He got knocked out. And one one time a writer, you know, you don't hear about it because he's from that era, but a writer had asked the great Henry Armstrong, what were your most important fights? Was it your win against, you know, and it, it, it's just a who's who's list of great fighters. He fought everybody. And he said, no, it was this one, this. And the guy goes, I don't even know which ones they are. And he said, well, they happened early in my career and I got beat. Those were the ones that helped become the most formative fights in my life, in my career, that I learned the most from. So, and, and that forged me to never allow those things to happen again, to correct the things that had to be corrected and to get better right there. And so again, to what I always say, you know, boxing doesn't have it right sometimes. They navigate these guys. There's a reason why UFC is getting the better ratings every week. They put in com- they put in com- competitive fights, properly matched fights, week in and week in and week out. And the fighters are forced to be the best they can be. When you got a kid with 300 amateur fights, Ken, and he's fighting a guy that's just there for like feeding time at the zoo. No, seriously. Where they we'll just took to these guys. But when they put, yeah, we will, unfortunately, because it's boxing. But when they put in a guy just as cannon fodder, where, where a guy, God forbid, is going to get hurt. Going to get hurt. But when they do that, with a guy that's an Olympic silver medalist or gold medalist or whatever, 250 amateur fights, and they put him in, what is that guy with the silver medal at that point in his career, what is he learning with 250 amateur fights that he's being handed, you know, uh, a guy that, you know, <laughs> that shouldn't be in the ring? That shouldn't be in the ring with him. What is he learning? What, where is it making him go? Is it making him go to a department in himself that he's never been and visited before? No. But these UFC guys, they're forced to go to departments in themselves that they've never been before. And by doing that, find out things about themselves they never knew before. Never. So I'm telling the people out there that are in your own fight, Forget about UFC. Forget about boxing. But whatever fight you're in, don't be afraid to go out there and ask for a raise. Don't be afraid to go out there and and apply for a job that you're afraid of. You think everyone's better than you. Or go out there and try out for the baseball team, the basketball team, the football, because you think everyone's bigger than you. Better. No, don't be afraid of that because that's going to force you to find out things and search out things about yourself that otherwise you wouldn't find out. You mentioned Inoue, by the way. I got confirmed today that I'm doing the um, <clears throat> next race is the Tokyo Marathon, March 5th. I'll be over there with all our Tokyo fans and friends. Wow. Looking uh, forward to wow. seeing uh, Tokyo for the first time. Wow, that's going to be... that's. I mean, you're the Marathon King, baby. <laughs> and really, really, the Masters champion. Go just put another notch in that international <laughs> belt and put yeah. Tokyo on that belt. And you know what? Maybe Inoue will be there. Yeah. Seriously. Let's I mean, go. 
Uh, it's I a huge it. event over in Japan. Yeah. You know, uh, he's 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 a monster over there. He's liable to be over there. And yeah. I tell you one thing: if he finds out you're coming, he'll definitely be there. <laughs> I hope so. All right, let's let's move on to uh, Chase Sherman, the, the Vanilla Gorilla, in against Waldo Cortez Acosta, former college football player versus a former pro baseball player. Acosta gotta love the gets, nickname. Gotta love the yeah. nickname. Say it <laughs> again. Sure. What was that? I didn't even know the that. Van, the Vanilla Gorilla, Chase the vanilla Sherman. Gorilla. Uh, yeah. Good stand-up battle back and forth here. Uh, Acosta gets the win. Um, 30-27, uh, remains undefeated. Good battle here from big guys. How'd you like it? Yeah, uh, close first round, Ken. Uh, yep. I thought Sherman won it, uh, but it was clear for me. A couple interesting points to make. First of all, it was clear in the first round that Sherman's fight strategy was to try to make sure Costa couldn't get set to throw his big right hand um, because he, start, he started kicking the hell out of his leg. Um, kind of like our buddy Poirier did in his rematch with McGregor. So McGregor couldn't sit on his punches, and which was great strategy. But he didn't do enough, he being Sherman, didn't do quite enough damage um, to him in that first round because in the second round, Acosta landed big right hands. Actually, he landed you know, left hands uh, and right hands. And he won the round... Well, he wasn't around easy. Uh, really, Sherman showed a great uh, chin um, because that's what kept him up in that second round, really, his heart and his great chin. And then in the third round, again, Acosta set the table with his left and he went to eat with his right. Uh, Sherman's a tough guy, but... He gets insulted if you miss him, Ken. You know, <laughs> a uh, lot of head movement. No, no. Somebody's got to work on. You know, they don't got to work on the toughness. That's that's there. That's set like cement. But they got to work on some of the defensive uh, strategies there. But that's what I saw with that fight. Gotcha. Uh, in the main event, Kennedy and Jukawu. Njakuwu. Yeah, go ahead. Say that fast six en- times. Come <laughs> Kennedy Njakuwu in in tough against Ion Kutalabra. Ion Kutalabra. Um, second round knockout for Kennedy. Um, he clearly lost the first round. I thought the guy took him down. Kutalabra took him down, roughed him up. But man, Kennedy Njakuwu. Njakuwu has hands, my God, and, and knees and elbows, my God. He hit him with every single strike in the book in that closing um, sequence. And really, to come back after losing that first round, I thought it showed great strength of character, and I loved the way he spoke after the fight. He sang, thanked everyone in the UFC from the janitors to the head man, and you could tell he meant it with sincerity. I really like him. Nigerian, a lot of tough guys coming out of Africa, and um, big win for Kennedy on a big stage. How'd you like it? I agree with you. Um, Kutalaba is great on the mat wrestling, but I thought, here's the interesting thing about this fight, and I thought there was a couple things to point to that were intangibles, if you will, factors, X factors that kind of took place in this fight. Kutalaba, as I said, he's great on the mat uh, with wrestling, but I thought early in the first round, Ken, that he made a mistake when he took Nchukwa, when he took him to the floor 
after he had hurt him while he was striking. He had him hurt, and then he took him to his strong place, to the floor. I get it, but I didn't get it with the timing of it because he had him hurt with the striking, and I thought he should have stayed there. And instead, you know, he takes him to the floor, and he might have lost the best chance that he really ultimately had by deciding to do that. Because the next round in Chukwa, he hurts him with a knee, which I thought was a little reminiscent of Masvidal catching Askren with the knee as he timed him. You know, he set it up. But the most important thing was Masvidal timed Askren because he knew he would go for the shoot. And given Chukwa credit for the cerebral part, I always talk about these guys that separate themselves. They all have talent. They're all tough but that are a little smarter, that they're a little bit, just a little, they add the, the cerebral part to the toughness and it separates them a little bit. That was so smart of Ventruquo. He knew that Kudalaba would look to shoot, look to reach in a little bit to get to his legs, and he timed them beautifully. Yeah, he, he, he caught him with the knee, and then he had he had Kudalaba hurt. But is a real tough guy and a real pro, like most of these guys. And he didn't really necessarily significantly show it. It's not like he, all of a sudden, his legs, you know, went every which way. Or, you know, they look like, you know, your grandma's spaghetti on a on a Monday after you had it on Sunday. You know, it's just a little too loose. You know, a little a little too loose. He didn't show that. But Nchukwa knew he was hurt. And it looked to me, and these are the X factors I'm talking about, where I'm not 100% sure, but my fighting IQ, understanding this business, told me that I thought Kudalaba may have purposely misplaced a kick to the groin area to slow down Enchukwa a little bit because he was hurt. And I'm not saying he's a dirty guy. I'm just saying he. I think he might have misdirected a punch accidentally on purpose to try to buy him a little time. But then the next thing was ingenious. Really ingenious. My son Teddy was watching with me. He said, Dad, that was ingenious instincts by Enchukwa. Because Enchukwa, even though he got hit low, he knew that he had Kulalaba. His instincts told him that he had him hurt. So he didn't take the rest that the referee was offering him. He said, no, I don't need it. And he stayed on Kulalaba. And he got rid of him. He caught him again with another knee, I believe, uh, but he didn't give him the time to recover. He understood that, yeah, Kudalaba was hurt, even though, like I said, his legs weren't doing the cha-cha, but he, he understood that. And he understood probably that Kudalaba just tried to slow me down by hitting me low, and I'm not going gonna, gonna to play into it. I'm not going to give him what he wants. I'm going to stay on the freaking guy. And he didn't let him recover, and um, he got rid of him. So I, I, I thought it was very smart, very impressive performance by Nchukwa. He has great size. 
explosive power from a southpaw stance, and he showed me that he can use all those great attributes but with having great intelligence and great instinct. Very good. With that, Teddy, we talked about the competitive card. Now, unfortunately, let's get to the cannon fodder section of the show. But before we do... Feeding time. Feeding time <laughs> at the zoo, um, before, unfortunately. I mean, before we really, head to feeding time, Teddy, let me just open a can of my favorite flavor of Olipop soda, the new yeah, healthy alternative soda. Please Cream soda, one of my favorite flavors. This stuff is the best. Unlike uh, Coca-Cola, which has 39 grams of sugar, Olipop, a can of cream soda, only has two grams of sugar. It's also got several, nine grams of prebiotics in every can, uh, plant fiber. Gut health is an important issue to uh, a lot. Two out of three Americans say they suffer from digestive issues, which tends to be from a lack of fiber. So Olipop's got you covered on the fiber front. Give them a try at Drink Olipop. Use the promo code ATLAS25. They'll give you 25% off your first purchase. Olipop, they've got some unbelievable flavors, vintage cola flavors. They got cherry, vintage cola, classic root beer, orange, grape, strawberry. On and on. It goes on forever. The stuff is the best. Olipop, get it popping with Olipop. Official sponsor of, official soda sponsor of the fight with Teddy Atlas. Teddy, the zone card down in Mexico looked like it was in a high school basketball gym, and they didn't even bother to take down the hoops. Hoops was still up. One-sided beatdown in the main event, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to talk about Arji Cortez in tough in a super flyweight fight against former sparring partner and friend Eric Lopez. Looked to be on paper like an easy win for Cortez. Um, Lopez had other ideas, dropped him twice, had him down in the second round and the sixth round. At one point, the ref took a point for Eric Lopez. I mean, Eric Lopez was scrappy, and he was very short, considerably shorter than, um, than Cortez. But he was scrappy, and he was bringing it all night. He knew They obviously knew each other very well. I think that they're really good friends prior to the fight. And um, I think Eric Lopez shocked the crap out of Cortez and his um, esteemed trainer, uh, Nacho Berenstein. But, uh, yeah, the, <laughs> judging from the judges' scorecards, you would think that it was a one-sided beatdown for Cortez. But one judge actually had it right with... Um, with Lopez winning by four or five points. That's how you rob somebody. Ken, yeah. I'm going to let you finish, but I just got to jump in. That's how you rob somebody. You, you, you own two judges. You control two judges. And then you get a split decision when people say, oh, wow, it was close. You know, at least that one guy had it for him. You know what? That's not bad. At least yeah. one guy gave it. Yeah, I thought it was a horrible decision. But you know what? Uh, one guy had it. No, he never had a chance. He never had a chance because when you control two judges, right, you're always going to lose a split decision. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's it. That's the perfect summary. I mean, it was uh, two judges had it one-sided for um, Lopez. One guy had it correctly for, uh, sorry, for Cortez, and one guy had it correct for Lopez. And ultimately, um, R.G. Cortez moves on. He, he improves his record. I think he's got three losses, but he's lost to uh, Estrada super tough guy at uh super super fly but uh yeah just a horrible decision down in mexico um typical corruption i mean you the, the 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 winner was almost predetermined unless the guy like knocked him out cold even if he knocked him down every round i still think they would have figured a way to give it to lopez but what'd you think of the fight um another example you already said it but i'll say it again another example of that right corruption of the sport 
okay? Uh, Cortez is the promoter's fighter, De La Hoya in this case. And um, so Lopez, who took the fight on short notice, goes in, he catches Cortez all night with big shots. That's what scoring's supposed to be about. Who lands the bigger, more telling punches? That would be Mr. Cortez. Um, uh, that would be Mr. L uh, Lopez. Uh, he catches Cortez all night with big shots as Cortez just stood too straight up, pulled straight back. He kept catching with big looping right hands, nice left hooks, stepping with him. Um, Lopez catches him clean with those punches. He drops him, as you said, Ken, two times and drops him again in the third round, but the referee doesn't count it. Oops. Oops, uh, what's the name of that soda we have? Well, what's the name of that soda? Olipop. Olipop, Olipop. Uh, oopsie Olipop. We, we got to, they, they might fit right in here perfect. I mean, they're right into our show. And every time we have a corrupt fight, maybe we should pop one of those open and, and just say, oop, pop, Olipop. 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 And put in a little oop before the Olipop. So, Oops, Olipop, the third round, uh, the third time that it should have been a third knockdown in the last round, referee somehow misses it, doesn't count it. And you know what? I'm sick of it. I I'm just sick of reporting on it. The same old crap. As bad as the judges and the ref was, frankly, the commentators, they were also complicit in the robbery. As they, I'm sorry, but they showed all night uh, for the protected fighter, knowing damn well that he lost. You could even hear it in their voice. Uh, they knew damn well. Uh, it was sickening to me. I sometimes feel like leaving the sport when I see this crap. Uh, no wonder so many fans have left. They've left. They've told me. They said, Teddy, we left. And um, and so many of leaving, going over to to UFC, quite frankly. And listen, I don't want to hear the dodo birds out there that start saying, well, what? I didn't hear you. Say that a little clearer so I can understand what you're saying. Oh, you're saying that, oh, Teddy, why are you so into UFC now? Boxing's your sport, 50 years of boxing. Why are you betraying boxing? Um, dodo bird, I'm not betraying boxing. I love boxing. It's my life. I've committed my life to boxing. And, and my family's there with me. What I, what I want to do is try somehow and never stop trying to make it better, to let the sport be left alone, where the sport can be great. The sport and the fighters left alone, they're great. What they do is great. They go in the ring to find out who the best man that night or the, who the best woman that night is. It's great. Let them go in there and they they go in there and they they find out things about themselves that they didn't know before the bell rang because they were willing to find those things out because they were willing to go to those dark places, places they'd never been before. And they got better right in front of our eyes. And they taught us. Yeah, they taught us not how to throw a jab straight and how to follow a right hand and how to put a left hook behind. They taught us how to behave when things are difficult. Yeah. They taught us never to give up. Yeah. They taught us to search out 
deeper places within ourselves. Yeah, they told us not to be afraid, to go further, to find out how far you can go. Yeah. So that part is great. I love it. I hate the executives, the executives of the sport. The the whether it's the whether it's the phony promoters in some cases, or in some cases, not every one of them, but whether it's the greedy promoters in some cases, whether whether it's the ridiculous joke commissions in many cases, whether it's always, always the the ridiculous alphabet organizations that are so corrupt. It's been proven. Go and look your see over the years where it's been proven that they're corrupt. Where it was proven years ago that Bob Lee, the president of the IBF, was 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 uh, uh was involved in taking monies and, and he was I don't know if he went to jail or he was just kicked out of the sport, but where you know where Bob Aram, quite frankly, where he was convicted. I think they changed it to money laundering, but he was con- convicted of a of a felony charge of paying bribes to these organizations. Yeah, to these organizations that rate the fighters that say who the mandatories are, who's gonna fight who. That he got paid. That he got he got convicted of for paying off bribes to get his fighters rated higher then they deserve to be rated or because he had to do that because that's the way it worked. I'm sick of that part. I'm sick of that part. I'm sick of the part where the promoters, you know, have the influence they have with these organizations and and with the commissions where they can mandate who the judges are for that night and they can influence the judges if they want to work anymore. You want to work again? You want to work other fights as a judge? Okay, well, you better know who's got to win. You better know who's got to win. Because if my guy don't win, guess what? Somebody will be working the next show, but it won't be you. I'm, I'm, I'm sick and tired of that affiliation, of, of it being allowed that, that there could be that connection. That, that there's no separation between church and state of your will. There's no separation between the people making the money in this sport and the people who are supposed to be the administrators of rules and justice in this sport. That there's no separation between it. That there's no policing of it. That there's no watchtower. There's no national commission like there is in basketball, football, baseball. To make sure that such things do not exist. And if they do exist, get rid of them. Get rid of them. I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of being fired from my job at ESPN, quite frankly, because I freaking brought these things up. I am. I'm past it. I'm okay. I'm with Ken Rideout doing a fight uh, with Teddy Atlas uh, on podcasts. We got, we're, we're getting bigger and bigger, bigger and bigger. And, you know, and I'm blessed. I'm still, you know, ESPN still throws me a bone and puts me out there once in a while and I can do the UFC fight like I did two weeks ago at the Garden with great, 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 great fighters there like Adesanya and and Poirier and all these other great warriors out there that I can be allowed to be on that stage and platform and be able to pontificate a little bit about their performances. Yeah, I'm blessed. I'm, 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 I'm You know what else is good, Teddy? You got your integrity 
and that's more important than than shilling for a one-sided beatdown where someone might end up really hurt because they're put in there for the entertainment of someone else when they're way over their way over their head in terms of talent and we're going to talk about that in the main event of that card down in Mexico but also guys if you're interested in learning the fundamentals of boxing from Teddy go to dynamicstriking.com look for the Teddy Atlas boxing tutorial videos I think there's what now 15 episodes Teddy you can learn all the different yeah 15 old school old school no 100% can Go ahead, I'm sorry. Peekaboo style, you can learn all the different jab techniques. You can learn the uppercut, overhand right, cross, hook, you name it. Teddy teaches it all. You can learn from the comfort of your own home. Then take your skills down to the gym. And I'll tell you this, I can can tell you this from experience. No one walks into a boxing gym knowing what they're doing, feeling confident like they're a killer. So when you're walking in there and you're scared and you're nervous to learn something new, you're not alone. You'd be crazy if you weren't nervous. The difference is the guys who are brave go anyway and you learn a new techniques, you learn new life skills that you can't learn anywhere else except in a gym, the, 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 the ring of truth, the boxing ring. So if you want to check it out, go to dynamicstriking.com, search for the Teddy Atlas videos and um, you can learn everything you need to know to feel confident about defending yourself or being competitive in the sport. Yeah, I appreciate it, Ken. Yeah, it's 15 old school, 15 rounds, 15 instructional to inside fighting body punching you know counter punching the the lost art of fainting uh defense whatever but they are real and um a lot of people have have uh sort of uh, gone over there and gotten them to whether it's amateur fighters whether it's pro fighters a lot and i appreciate it whether it's uh weekend warriors you know, whether it's the the guys that are the Wall Street guys, the guys that are doing the the master boxing uh, to find out more about themselves, to challenge themselves. You know, whether it's them, whether it's families, fathers, mothers that uh, are getting their kids into boxing and, you know, want to learn the fundamentals before they start letting them think about take it into any other places whatever i appreciate it all we have 18 now we have 15 of those but we have three of them on the mental side talking about fear talking about controlling your emotions your fear uh talking about how you get more confidence uh talking about bullying you know i got one where i talk about to the kids out there that get bullied i explained to them you're not the weak one yeah i know you think you are no the bullies are the weak ones that's why they bully you to try to get strength from what they think is your weakness. That you're small or something or you're unprotected. They got a group of people around them. They're the weak ones. You're actually the strong ones because you're alone and you're facing what you have to face. And I talk people through that. I talk to the kids and even their parents about this terrible disease that's out there and bullying. And as I said, I also talk to the amateur and the pro fighters just about the most important part of this business, the mind part, the mental part, controlling your fear um, and how everyone's afraid. You know, it's not a matter of whether you're afraid. It's a matter of how do you control it, who controls it better, and teaching you how you control it. So anyway, I appreciate you putting that out there. Um, Mungia and... Korea, go ahead. Uh, Korea, go ahead. 
Yeah, Shark Week. Shark Week. Uh, feeding time at the Shark Tank. Uh, Korea's thrown in with Jaime Munguia. Just completely one-sided. Teddy, if 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 you were Munguia's trainer and they send you Korea as a sparring partner, I know you. You'd send them home after the first day and just be like, "Listen, buddy, we don't want to get people hurt. No offense. Let's get someone in here that can like challenge our guy or at least present a present a speed bump." This guy, I mean, I feel bad for him because he's probably an accomplished fighter and he got a big shot and he probably got a decent payday, although judging from the venue, I don't think anyone made a lot of money there. Um, But Jesus, Munguia just smashed him. I mean, one side, like I said, if it was a sparring session, you'd send the kid home so he doesn't get hurt. Um, Got him out of there, I think, in the fourth round. It was hard to watch. Didn't present any challenge whatsoever. I mean, enough. The, the 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 commentator said it actually accurately after the fight. They're like, enough with this. Like, we need to see him in there with the best guys in the world, or it's like, what's the sense? It's it, this is this is silly to have him just beating people up. Anyway, what'd you think? Yeah, the commentator that gave the truth was the former fighter, um, uh, uh, Mora, Sergio, Sergio Mora. Mora. Yeah, I, yeah, like I believe that was him. He 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 did say that. Look. Corey, I believe, had about, I think he had five losses, was knocked out one time. The key was that any time he stepped up with any kind of decent level, he lost. And the network should have been ashamed at themselves for putting on such a mismatch. They really should have because Munguia, while he's still a bit raw, for me, he's improved a lot. He really has. I like him. He's a... He's a middleweight version of a young George Foreman, of a heavyweight George Foreman for me. Big and strong. And he's getting better. Um, in the first round, McGee dropped, an, as you said, you know, a badly outclassed opponent in Korea, but an awkward opponent too. And, um, you know, and he did it by slipping his jab just a little bit. I really liked it. Munguia slipped his jab just enough, not like by a foot, not by even six inches, by like three inches, just enough, just enough. Boom! So he could come back a little faster. That's the trick. Make a miss just enough and then come right back. He slipped to his right a couple inches, made the jab miss, and countered with a nice straight right hand. He dropped, obviously dropped Korea. And then in the second round, McGee did the right thing. He had an awkward guy who was just trying to survive. He understood that. So he switched the body, and he caught him a left hook to the right around the liver area and dropped Korea. And at the end, look, Korea got caught with that punch. He shouldn't have been in the ring. Um, he stayed there. He took the count on his knees. Yeah, I know he was hurt. He also quit. Um, but... He shouldn't have been in no position to quit. See, that's the damage. You put a kid in that position, that's what you wind up with. You know, he could even got hurt worse. But he's got to go and take an eight count. He's got to live with that now, you know, for what it's worth the rest of his life. Um, the best thing I could say about this, I think I tweeted with my, with my great tweet team, Ian, Brennan, and Rob, I think I put that out there, that the best thing about this horrible mismatch is that McGee did what you're supposed to do, Ken, when you're in there with a completely, you know, a guy you shouldn't be in there with. He got rid of him. And by getting rid of him, you know, he he put, well, he put 
not only Korea out of his misery, but he put us out of our misery, you know, uh, where we didn't have to watch it for an extra few rounds, which sometimes you do. When the guy, you know, the guy's in there with a mismatched guy, you know, he starts playing with the guy or maybe he's overrated, quite frankly, and the guy's able to survive in a one-sided fight for six, seven rounds where at the end of the day, you're, you're mad at yourself for having stayed there and watched it and wasted your time when you could have been like popping popcorn and, and melting butter and putting it on the popcorn and, and having a nice snack. You're like pissed off. You're like, I watched, I watched seven rounds of this freaking where I knew from the beginning who was going to win. So at least McGee did us a favor. He, he put everyone out of there, you know, and he's suffering quick. Um, it, it's the same thing. Uh, you know, it's just, we covered it. We don't have to talk about the ridiculousness of these mismatches anymore. Next for McGee, he's promoted by Deal Hoyas. I said, you figure they're going to look to go after Triple G, who's 42, who I love. One of the great middleweights of all time. I love him. And he's been on our show uh, a couple times. But he's 42 years old. And yeah, I know he had a good performance for, for as much as you could say that against Canelo and he made it close. But part of it is, I don't, uh, I said it already, I think Canelo's overrated, but I also think Canelo's sliding, a little, Canelo's sliding a little bit. I do, I think he's sliding a little bit. But bottom line is, yeah, the great Triple G made it closer than people thought it would be against Canelo, but he, he's done. He's done as a top fighter. And he and the longer he stays around, the more done he will be. So but I get it. I get it. He's he's got he's got the belts. You know, when he lost to Canelo, it was for the he only lost for the super middleweight or whatever because it was a catch rate fight, but he retained his middleweight belts. So he's still got two of the middleweight belts, right? Am I correct about that, Ken? I That's believe right. he does. Yep. And so you know that De La Hoya is gonna put McGee, look to put him in there with Triple G, get the payday and get the belts, you know, and then go from there. So uh, that's what you're going to see. McGee, he's 41-0 now against mostly hand-picked opponents. And, not uh, mostly, Teddy, not mostly, all. <clears throat> he hasn't been challenged. I don't well, think he's been in a tough fight. <clears throat> no, I mean, a competitive I guess fight. that's, I, I think he was in there with one decent guy. But look, uh, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I mean, if he stays on this track, he'll be, you know, 410 and 0. Uh, you know, uh, if, <laughs> uh, if, if we live long enough to see it. But uh, that's, you know, again, like uh, they, you know, like the great Joe Pesci said in My Cousin Vinny, I'm, I'm true with this guy. Well, one, la one, one last thing is the, WB the WBO has ordered uh, Munguia to fight mandatory challenger Janabek Alim Kanuli. Um, I think he's Let 14, me mark that 30. down. Hold on. Let me mark that down my calendar. Hold on a minute. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Ken, actually, I got to mark. Actually, oh, wait a minute. Kid, I got nothing to mark. No, I don't I, know who it is. I don't know. Back, I'm, I'm back joking. The I'm back joking. The bully, back the bully, the Kazakh undefeated fighter. That's a fight I'd like to see. I don't want to see him fight. I don't want to see him fight Triple G. Triple G, like you said, he's gotten older, but he's also made a ton of bread. He's fought. Um, Triple G has been in there with everyone. Now he's got two Canelo paydays. I mean, he should have enough money for uh, you know his kids and hopefully his grandkids. But 
Beck the Bully versus Jaime Mungi is a fight. I'm, I'd love to see that fight. Two, like, young bucks, like, in the prime of their career, both undefeated. Beck the Bully's only got 13 fights, but 13 pro fights. He probably has 1,000 amateur fights, like most of the Kazakhs. But, um... No, that, that said, listen, I, I... No, look, I agree. Um, those guys are... They're bred to be fighters, warriors, um, kind of like guys like Khabib, you know, over in the MMA world, the UFC world, that it's almost part of their culture. There's a warrior mentality. They get a lot of amateur experience. Um, yeah, that that I'd rather any day of the week would rather see that. Um, but if they can, if they can circumvent that. If they can maneuver around that to get the payday with a 42-year-old Triple G. Of course. I mean, again, you don't have to be the Mason Kreskin <laughs> to know that, you know, right? Yeah. I mean, of course. You, know, you don't have to have uh, uh, navigation. What, what, what do they call those, the navigation things? GPS. Um, yeah, you don't have to have GPS to find the way in boxing. <laughs> of which way these guys are going to go. All you need is a checkbook or a Venmo account, preferably from an anonymous offshore crypto account. <laughs> yeah, just follow the money. Yeah. Well, before we talk about Tank Davis and um, our friend Ryan Garcia, let me give a quick shout out to our number one sponsor, our, our, our oldest sponsor, Athletic Greens, AG1. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Atlas to get 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. This stuff is the best. Like I said, I started to get sick when I was coming back from the uh, dinner. I had been like traveling so much, running myself ragged, maintaining like the 10 to 15 miles a day, and it's getting cold. The weather's changing dramatically, at least in the Northeast and where I live in Nashville. It's been freezing here every day under uh, below 32. And um, soon as I start getting sick, I doubled up on the Athletic Greens. I'm not kidding about this. Like, I love this stuff. We reached out to them. They didn't come to us. Stuff's made from 75 whole food sourced ingredients. Even if you're eating the healthiest diet, it's hard to get all the vitamins, nutrients, minerals that you need. This stuff has it all. Vitamins, minerals, probiotics, prebiotics. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Atlas for 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. The travel packs are invaluable because you can take them with you everywhere. <clears throat> Athletic Greens for the win. Love this stuff. Teddy, I know you've been taking it. And what are you still down, 30? Oh, you got the multi-serve pack. The best. My man. My man. What do you... Yeah, I'm down 30 pounds. You look and, great, um, too, at the, at the dinner. Oh, uh, better than I... I look better. I... I, I I look better than I did when I was like the blob. Um, which I was you really do look, look better. You, you do. I you mean, look a lot better. I walked past my mirror one day and I like took a double take. I was like, uh, what? Well, who is that? Whoa. But that's why gotta, you are who gotta, you are. I got to get people, rid of that guy. Some people look him. at that and they're just like, mm, I just got to accept defeat and make a silent agreement with themselves that that's oh, just part of aging and I'll just accept the fact that I'm going to be heavy forever. And you decided, nah, you know what? I'm not going to live like this. I'm going to lose the weight, get back to where I know I'm supposed to be for myself and my family. I just don't know how people can walk around and not feel confident and, and positive about themselves. It's such a waste not to make the sacrifice to be proud of yourself and walk around. Well, and not, and listen, for the people out there, for some people that, you know, your brain's not always up to speed the way it should be sometimes um that start 
we're not talking about the people that have a sickness. We're not no, talking about the. We're not talking about that. I just want to make that clear because you know you do have people in their underwear in their basement sometimes <laughs> that, that are watching these shows, and all they want to do is find a spot where they can hurt somebody. Ah, I got it. I got it. Oh, I can hurt this guy. Ah, I got it. Uh, no, you can't hurt Ken. You can't hurt me. You can't hurt Rob. You can't hurt us. Because what we say is from our hearts the truth. Um, we could be off. We could be wrong. But we're saying what we believe to be the truth from our experience. And we understand the differences between, in this kind of case that Ken's talking about, against somebody that can make a difference in their life for the benefit of themselves, the benefit of their family, from people that are sick, that people that do have, you know, medical issues and problems and even mental issues and problems. We understand the difference. We understand that. We're talking about where you can help yourself. And there's a lot of people out there that can help themselves to be better. And we're even talking about the ones that can't help themselves because there's always a way that you can get somewhere. That's part of what my foundation does is we help the people that can't help themselves, that it's harder for them to help themselves, that we'll find them, we'll go into neighborhoods and we'll bring them mental health help where they can be helped in those areas. But, you know, aside from the extreme situations, uh, differences that we're separating here, for the most part, you have to be willing to accept that help, willing to say, yeah, I could get better. Yeah, I got to listen. Yeah, I need to make a change. So Ken's uh, let me just summarize saying the right it thing. By, let me summarize it by saying this. You need to take care of your mental and physical health and your well-being like your life depends on it because it does. And that includes maintaining a healthy weight and taking care of yourself. It is what it is. It's like we're, people are just afraid to hear the truth because it's uncomfortable. It ain't easy losing weight. I know it. I, 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 I work my ass off to stay fit. And I know it ain't easy. But doesn't make doesn't mean that like I'm looking at my man right I'm looking at my man who does the tape in here every week right Sam Rivera right Who's, yep perfect example uh, right and he's great he's 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 a good family man he's got a beautiful family comes all the way over here from Jersey every day even when he gets stuck in the terrible Staten Island traffic um every every week and he was at the dinner too um and you know he he. He puts up great videos. He's he's a magician. He's really good at putting together Sam Rivera films. He really puts together those motivational videos. That's how we met. He did he did some on me, and I found you know from from some of the stuff we've done, and he put them up there, and then we wound up connecting because of that. But the point I'm making is, Sam, how much weight did you lose? Uh, total of hundred. Hundred pounds. There it is. There it is. I mean, I'm looking at him saying, this guy, like, he does MMA, right? You do MMA. I think he's a he brown MMA. belt. Sam, are you a black belt in jiu-jitsu yet? Any day. Any day. He's a brown belt, so that's that's not too damn bad. He's a brown he belt. He could be a day away. Any day he's going to be a black belt. And he comes after you, you're going to need your legs. You, no you okay? I don't even. I won't even try. I'll just say, please, Sam, please, not today. He, um, like I said, he lost 100 pounds. He looks great. Uh... And he's, he stays with it. He, he stays with it. He uses athletic greens. Uh, yeah, of too. course. So, 
He stays with it, and he works at it. He made up his mind one day. He just made That's up right. his mind one day that, hey, you know, I got, I got a family. I got to be around for the family. I got to do something. And at the end of the day, you know, he did something. Um, that's right. Let's, let's talk about the next last, fight. Yep. Last topic. Uh, Tank, Tank, uh, Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia, friend of the show. He's been a guest on the show. I know he seeks counsel from you from time to time, Teddy. I know you guys have become friendly. Um, by all accounts, it looks like the fight is made, but I know that the contracts aren't signed, and, uh, man, I have a feeling this one might fall apart, and I think they're both taking a tune-up fight, which for Tank is usually every fight's a tune-up fight. Um, so this will be interesting. What do you think? I think it's dangerous taking tune-up fights, number one. I think the fight will happen. Um, I hope it does because I was also hoping, and the fans with me hoping, that Spence and Crawford would happen, and that hasn't happened. They're very disappointed in that. So, excuse me, this one would make up a little bit or the opposite of making up for the disappointment of Crawford and Spence not happening it would once again make them sour on boxing and saying the best fights don't happen when they should happen um so hopefully this one a lot of times the impediment is the promoters you know that the promoters don't control both sides they don't let the guy go across the street for the benefit of the sport the benefit of the fans to make the best fight possible like in the 80s when boxing was so popular so strong because yeah you had great fight you have some great fighters today too but you had a lot of great fighters back in the 80s but what was the key they were fighting each other that was the game. Yeah, I know it was free network TV more with ABC and CBS. And NBC. That was great, too. That was great, too, to make these guys uh, more household names. But the main thing was you had Marvin Hagler. You had Sugar Ray Leonard. You had Tommy Hearns. You had Roberto Duran. You had Pinnell Whitaker. You had Aaron Pryor. I mean, I could go on and on and on. You had uh, Matthew Saad Muhammad in a light heavyweight. You had Dwight Kwawi Braxton. You had all these tremendous fighters and they were fighting each other. That was the key. That was the recipe to success, you know, um, to make the sport healthier. So now you got good fighters today. A lot of people say, ah, oh, there's no fighters around there. Oh, no, they are. They are. No, Teddy, in the 80s, got, no, there's fighters that are good around today. The problem is you're not seeing them fight each other. You're not seeing them fight the best fighters out there. So, and they're not getting a chance to really find out how good they can really be when they're put to the test. So I want to see the fight. I think it will happen. I'm not sure why they're taking a tune-up because the history of my, my great sport that I've been in 50 years, if you look at the history of this great sport, tune-ups, instead of tuning you up, they can destroy your car. They can, Do you remember they, when they, Anthony they, Joshua... They can, wreck, they can wreck your engine. Yeah. Do you remember yeah, Anthony can. Joshua had a, a mega fight lined up with Tyson Fury, probably at Wembley, 80,000 people. Just had to get over the speed bump that is um, Alexander Usyk. Oops. Fight off. Usyk's the new champ. And now Fury That was a little like, different because they were mandated. No, I know. Uh, it wasn't a, a tune-up, but it was, they, they skipped a yeah. mega money fight. No, it was a little different. But no, you're right. But I'll give you one. I'm going to give you one that really goes back farther. And a lot of people won't know this one until they hear it. And then they Google it. Or maybe some of them will remember it. But uh, there's a lot of them. 
But one of the big goof-ups for a so-called tune-up was Tommy Morrison. He was undefeated, heavyweight, good puncher with the left hook, and he was going to fight Lennox Lewis next for $12 million. His manager at the time, Bill Caden, good businessman, um, but not not a boxing guy, didn't understand really as much as maybe he thought he understood. Um, but anyway, and of course, he's famous for being Mike Tyson's manager. And again, good businessman. But he went and said, no, we're going to take a tune-up for Tommy against a guy that I know from New York. He was a New York Golden Gloves champ, national, a national champion too, real good amateur. His name was Michael Bent. And he said, no, we're going to take a fight. Nobody heard of Michael Bent. Of course not. We're going to, uh, but you should hear. If you're a manager, you got to know everybody. We're going to take, uh, and you got to know, kind of like Clint Eastwood in the Dirty Harry movies, you not. You got to know your own limitations. A man must always know his own limitations. And if you're a manager, you got to know your fighter's limitations. And you got to know the strengths and weaknesses of your fighter and the opponents out there. Yeah. So they took this tune-up, Instead of the $12 million fight with Lennox Lewis. In they Tommy took a, Morrison's hometown in Tulsa, and, Oklahoma. Of course, it was going to be a tune-up. They were going to celebrate. They were going to go out afterwards. And it was for $1 million. So he was getting $1 million versus $12 million in a tune-up. And they figure, okay, we'll pick up an extra million. And then, we, then we'll go and we'll get to $12 million afterwards. Well, there was no afterwards because he got knocked out in one round. So... It's always dangerous. Tank Davis is a more complete fighter than Tommy Morrison was. No doubt about that. Um, much more complete fighter. But these, i tell you, these, these tune-ups can be very risky. That I think it's January 7th uh, for Tank Davis, and he's going to fight Hector Luis Garcia. Let me tell you this much. I'm not going to say he's going to lose, but to me that's not a tune-up. Hector Luis Garcia, two fights ago, he beat an undefeated but untested uh, fighter who, who, you know, he, he was more built up because, you know, he was with Al Heyman and the, the, uh, the, you know, the crazy commentators told you it was the next best thing since Coca-Cola and all that stuff and everything else, you know, and um, he, but he wasn't. And, uh, you know, he'll still get a chance to show what he could be, but he wasn't. So he knocks that kid off. The kid called himself primetime. Um, but you know what? There's only one primetime. He, he was, he was, and he played football, not boxing. He was Deion Sanders. I always, I always get a little skeptical when young kids get a little cocky and they start grabbing other people's fight names or, or in this case, nickname you know for the great Deion Sanders I always get a little skeptical that you're doing that earn it first earn it first before you it's almost really and so it's a little tip off now look this kid the former prime time because he's no longer prime time is is he's still got a chance to to get there that's that's up to him but obviously he wasn't what he was cooked up to be if you will and this Hector Luis Garcia showed that. But I tell you what I saw with Hector Luis Garcia, the tune-up for Tank Davis. Kid with a lot of amateur fights from the Dominican Republic, a hungry kid, a kid that was in the Olympics, a kid who's seen international, you know, competition. He's fought everybody. 
He a be, kid who knows how to, Chris Colbert, who that's was undefeated. That's a kid I'm talking about. Oh, uh, oh okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Captain sorry. Obvious. And he, uh, <laughs> that's a kid I'm talking was, about. I didn't uh, know no, his nickname was Prime no, Time. Yeah, that's Prime. <laughs> no, no more. That used to be his nickname. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not Prime Time anymore. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's about what time, yeah. because we're not sure what time. <laughs> so he, he goes and he beats this, this Prime Time, right? And but what this is what I saw. I saw a guy that is steady, solid, not intimidated, knows how to fight. That's not a tune up. I'm not again, I'm not saying that he's he doesn't have the power. If he had the power, like tank, he would have stopped prime time. But it, he doesn't have that power. But and I'll tell you one thing that hurt. I'm, I'm, I'm joking around a little, but I'm being serious about prime time. What hurt him too was his corner. His corner lied to him, which happens with guys that grab other people's nicknames, privileged guys, where they, they want to make their payday. They want to make their fighter happy. So what do they do? Do they tell him the truth? You're losing a fight. You got to step it up. You got to do. No, you know what they tell him instead? Oh, the next round he's going to quit. He's going to what? He's going to what? <laughs> he's going to what? Did anyone tell him that he's going to quit? Because somebody needs, like three rounds later when he's beating the crap out of prime time. So I would have said to my trainer, hey, do me a favor. Can you go over to the corner and see if anyone had told him he was supposed to quit? Can you check on that? Because you told me three rounds ago he was going to quit, that he was a dog, that don't worry about it, he's nothing. Can you go <laughs> over there and, and send that memo? Can you send that memo to him, please? Because he didn't get it. But you told me that, and, and, and I'm waiting for that to happen. So you don't need people like that in your life, guys. I just want to tell you that. You don't need people that lie to you. You don't need. I know it sounds good. It feels better at the time. At the time, it does. But then there comes a time it doesn't, when the truth hits home. Then it doesn't feel better. Then you wish you would have had that parent that told you no once in a while. Yeah, yeah. Then you wish you had that parent. But anyway, and then you thank them when you have a family and you're successful later in life. And you say, you know what? Thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. Really, I know sometimes I was a pain in the neck and sometimes I got pissed off that, that you wouldn't let me do certain things and you, and you put me in my place. But you know what? Thank you. Thank you. So I don't, that's, that, to me, that could be a risk. I, I obviously I would pick Tank to beat him, but it's still a little bit of a risk. Um, I don't know why he's taking it. It makes me wonder what you touched on, Ken. You you might be right onto something that the fight ain't gonna happen because why are they taking tune-ups then if it is gonna? Although people do do that, fighters do. They want to stay sharp. They don't know when it's gonna happen. They're talking about the proposed fight not being to March or April, whatever it is. Well, I guess April somewhere around there. But whatever it is, it makes you wonder that taking this fight, do they really have full confidence that the big mega fight's going to really be made? And now I'm hearing also that Garcia's going to, that Ryan's going to take a tune-up probably in January too. So again, always always risky business. And, and again, it, it makes you wonder if their fight's really going to happen, but we hope it does happen, and I'm going to give you a little preview. If it does happen, it's going to be similar to what we saw at the UFC. Yeah, I said it. People are saying, Teddy, you're giving us a, a rundown, a preview 
a little analysis of what Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia is going to look like or needs to look like for the two of them, and you're going to compare it to a UFC fight? Yeah, I am. Because last week, without Asanya and Pereira, to me, it's, it's, it's that fight. It's that fight. To win, Adesanya had to keep range, had to use his great legs, uh, his jab, his reach. He had to box really well against a real good striker. Adesanya's a great striker, but he had to box, keep him off balance, keep on the outside, and he had to always be aware that Pereira, who's a great kickboxer, who just has six fights now in the UFC, that he can punch, he needs to be set to punch, don't let him get into his comfort zone, don't let him, you know, get into his area where he can unleash that power. And it was always that kind of fight where I always say to the fighters in the gym, you, you might be in a fight, or I used to say on ESPN when I was breaking a fight down, this is a kind of fight where... One guy can't afford to make a mistake. There's no margin fairer. And that would be for Ryan Garcia. There's no margin fairer. I know he can hurt the other guy too. I'm not disrespecting that or or discounting that. But it's the kind of fight where one guy has a fight, a very disciplined fight all night long. Almost a perfect fight and not make any mistakes, where the other guy could probably make some mistakes, maybe a little bit, and still survive. That was Pereira and Adesanya. Pereira could make a mistake and still survive. He did. He made a mistake. He got caught at the end of one of the rounds, and he got hurt. But the rounds, the bell saved him. He got hurt. He survived the mistake. Adesanya, when he got hurt, he didn't survive the mistake because he couldn't, because Pereira was the monster puncher that's what this fight is it's it's the same both fighters Pereira and Adesanya the way that they understood that fight that's the way you got to understand this fight potential fight if it happens with Ryan Garcia and Tank Davis where Garcia's got to fight a disciplined fight on the outside uses reach uses speed uses jab set traps when he can you know keep Tank at the end of his punches, control range perfectly. He's got to be able to do that, and and he could do it. But he has to do it round in and round out. You can't, just like Adesanya, couldn't make a mistake with Pereira. You cannot make a mistake with Tank Davis. He's that deadly a puncher. He's that significant a puncher. So you have, and he can fight. Tank can fight. He's defensively responsible. He can fight inside, outside. He can box. He, he, he can do it all too. So Tank Davis, for his part, he's got to get close. He's got to use the jab to stabilize Garcia. Yeah, he can't just let Garcia do the, uh, the jabbing show all night. He can't let that happen, even if Garcia has a longer jab, a faster jab, you know, a jab that he uses more maybe. It doesn't matter. Like Mike Tyson, when he was Mike Tyson, he used to out-jab taller guys that used that jab real well because his jab was accurate and was hard. And he used it just enough to stabilize guys on the outside. He would slip the jab of the longer guy and he would get in with his jab. Tank Davis has to do that kind of stuff. He's got to use his jab. He can't just, again, he can't just let the jabbing clinic be done by Garcia. He's got to stabilize Garcia with the jab a little bit on the outside, control him, 
keep him honest on the outside with the jab. And he's got to look to catch him stepping out. Sometimes maybe you could catch Garcia maybe if you're perfect. Catch him stepping out a little bit maybe with a hook or a right hand as he steps with him. And he's got to do body work. He's got to put water in the basement like I always would say, you know, on ESPN doing the fights. He's got to put water in the basement. He's got to take some air out of the radials of, of Garcia. Slow him down a little bit. Flatten those tires a little bit. Make him, you know, make him, make him more vulnerable, you know, make him more cooperative, if you will, to stand with him a little bit instead of controlling the range the way Garcia can do so well. And look, Garcia's got a great counter left hook. That's what he's got to do. Maybe he can get Tank Davis to get a little fat with the right hand and catch him with a counter left hook. It's an interesting fight. It would be a heck of a fight. Contrasting styles, kind of like Ali and Joe Frazier, if you will. You know, that kind of matchup. You know, the boxer Ali uh, against the slugger, the the power of Joe Frazier with that left hook. Um, same, same, same sort of, uh, same sort of fight or, or makeup of a fight. I, I, I hope we get to see it uh, because if we get to see it, then my breakdown uh, will actually uh, would have been for a reason other than for what it is right now, just to give the fans something to think about. Sounds good. Um, hey, listen, when I was talking, I want to say one more thing. When I was talking about the guy, whatever, I forget his real name, but when I was talking about primetime, you know, and grabbing that oh, name. And he, yeah, and he lost that fight, right? And he's got a chance to come back. We'll, we'll see. He's got a chance to come back and, and really find out what he is and, and what he wants to be. But, and I say that you shouldn't, for the most part, you, you shouldn't be grabbing other people's nicknames until you earn it. And there was a guy who grabbed somebody's nickname, but he earned it. His name was Sugar Ray Leonard. And one of my favorite fighters, I, I'll put that out there right away, full disclosure. Years ago, he flew into my dinner, um, and he was there. And matter of fact, the great Gabe Perillo, uh, who, who does all the sports uh, pictures, he did, the, he did the 50 greatest athletes, I think it was, of, of the last century for ESPN. He did the portraits. He did the, you know, the art for all of those, all those athletes. He... He was good enough. He's he's passed. He's deceased now. We lost him. But Gabe Pulvillo did the painting. He he found out. He used to come every year. He and now his son, who's a former cop, comes every year. But he would he he would always ask me, Teddy, who's coming this year? So I said, Sugar Ray Leonard's coming. He loved boxing. What fighters are coming? We had Foreman there one year. We you know we've had a lot of great fighters. And I said, No. Uh, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard's coming. I'm going to do a portrait. He do it a portrait, and we we auction it off. I think for twenty five thousand uh, dollars. That is that yeah. That went to help. That that we had the right people in the room, and it went to help. Uh, well, it went to help the people that we help. So Sugar Ray Leonard, for me, he fits into any era. Not everybody does. Because he had some of the greatest fighters from the 20s to 30s and the 40s because they fought everybody and they became great fighters. And these guys sometimes don't fight everyone and they don't become quite as great. Some of them. Some of them. So Leonard, for me, could fight any era. He's that good. He's that good mentally, technically, talent-wise, physically, uh, every way. 
instincts, everything. And um, handling pressure. Uh, I mean, Sugar Ray Leonard is one of the best fighters that I've ever seen. And he grabbed the nickname, the moniker, of maybe the greatest fighter of all time in some people's books. The original Sugar Man. Sugar Ray Robinson from the 40s to 50s. He, you know, he had almost 200 fights, probably about 120 knockouts. Sugar Ray Robinson fought everybody. He could punch, he could box. He was a pioneer putting punches together, using his leg work, taking it to another level back in that era. Um, the, one of the greatest chins of all time on top of it. Uh, yeah, Sugar Ray Robinson, the original Sugar Man. Yeah, Leonard took his name. But guess what? He earned it. He earned it. He won a gold medal over in Montreal. He beat the Cuban that everybody thought was going to destroy him. You know, the Cubans had the greatest, at that time, amateurs in the world argument, uh, some people will argue, um, and since then. But I thought our American team that year, in 1976, was the greatest Olympic team of all time. We had five champions. We had the Spinks brothers. We had Leo Randolph. People forget about him. I think he was at bantamweight. He won a gold medal. He wound up winning a world title, I think. We had Howard Davis, was one of the great boxers, fought for a world title, never won one, fought twice. One of them, he might have gotten a little bit of a bad decision. Um, great, great boxer. And we had... Uh, we had Sugar Ray Leonard, who was it? Davis, the two Spinks, and Leo Randolph. Michael and Leon Spinks. Uh, and like I said, all of them except one became world champions in the pros. So, yeah, Leonard took the original Sugar Ray Robinson's nickname. But he freaking earned it. And, and he made good on it. So, that's what I have to say about that. Again, I'm finished with that. And um, what else? Is that it, Mr. That's it. That's right it, out? Teddy. We got uh, Thanksgiving week here. The kids are all home running around like crazy. They got the week off from school. Thursday, we got Thanksgiving. I'm going to run a turkey trot in the morning, a 10-miler. Um, that's, that's all? Only 10? Because 10, <laughs> that's all? That's only it. 10? So are you going to be eating town. this? Are you? I mean, 10 miles for you is like, I mean, that's like me you know, walking into the kitchen um, to, you know, uh, to see what's going on. I mean, that's nothing. Are you going to run it, make it a little bit more interesting with maybe while you're eating a drumstick? I mean, <laughs> well, the course record is 57 minutes and change. I ran the first 10 miles in uh, Berlin and Chicago in 55 minutes. So I'm oh, hoping wow. that I can run something away. like high 52s and set a new oh. course record. Well, but you I'm, never know I'm who shows you up, will. you know. I'm just going to try and go out and, uh, you know, kill myself to win. <laughs> that's, that's all you can do, Ken. That's all yep. you can do. And I'll say it again. I'm proud of you. Thank um, you, Teddy. Yeah, I am. I'm, pr I'm, I'm proud of... Not just that you can run like hell, um, but like I said, the person that you and Rob are, I'm, I'm glad I got you guys in my life. Oh, thank you, Teddy. I feel the same way about you, and same goes for Sam and Rob, and uh, we've got a great team, and I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving, and um, I don't know what we have this week. I'm sure there's a fight from the UFC, probably has something going on, but if not, we'll be back Monday with something We'll, we'll find down. some. If not, we'll exactly. start a fight. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find something people don't worry 
Don't worry, we'll be there. And have a great Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Take it easy.